What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today's episode is for you. Okay, so a lot of times I do episodes that are for me in terms of saying the stuff that needs to be said that I feel like is most important. However, today I want to give you what you're looking for. What I mean by that is you've probably heard me talk about the basics and the boring work and all of the foundational habits and actions that need to be done to create long-term success. And that stuff is incredibly valuable and important, but I also know that there's the there's the sexy stuff, the you know, exciting stuff, the more advanced topics that I'm sure you guys want to know about. So this episode is all about how to optimize your results. I'm talking about what are like the small things that we can do that move the needle 1%, maybe even less. We're talking optimization. We're talking about you've got the basics in place. You've got the foundation in place. And you want to know, how do I take it from where I'm at now to the next level? And that is this episode. So if you enjoy the content, if you appreciate the value that we're dropping here, you can always help the show grow and bring new ears to the, to the podcast by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That's number one. Number two, you can share the episode link with a friend or family member. And number three, you can take a screenshot of the episode, post it to your stories on Instagram and tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. So before I jump in, I do have to set the frame. I do have to present the caveat that none of this matters without the foundation. None of this matters if you're not focusing on the basics, the basic habits that serve you for life. I like to call them anchors. In fact, we're getting ready to launch our next challenge. Challenge starts tomorrow. I am going to be hammering home the anchors with everybody in the challenge over and over again. They're going to get sick of of hearing about it. But these are the things that make the most difference over time. It's being able to do these things consistently over a really long period of time. That's how results are created. That goes for everything in life. When it comes to fitness and nutrition, I look at those things as food quality, moving your body, managing stress and sleeping well, drinking enough water. Uh, eating adequately enough to support your overall lifestyle and daily activity and recovery and stress. Uh, That's the stuff that really makes a difference. All of the little like minutia, that's what we're going to be talking about today, which does not make all that much of a difference, but I am all about leveling up. So once you've got the basics in place, once you've got the foundation in place, then we can start to, to mix in some of these more nuanced, advanced uh, concepts that will help move the needle just a little bit. So this is all about optimization. But again, none of this matters if you don't have the basics in place. So the first thing from an optimization standpoint, we're going to talk about meal frequency. Okay. Meal frequency is how often am I eating? How many meals per day am I eating? Now, this is something that gets way overplayed. A lot of times, uh, and, and kind of the old school way of thinking was that the more that you eat, the more meals, right? The more frequency uh, of meals, 
the better for your metabolism. And that has been proven wrong by research. So when it comes to frequency, uh, you've probably heard it before, like, oh, eat six meals a day because your metabolism is going to be constantly working. And um, what studies have shown is that if you're eating the same amount of food overall, like let's say your, your overall quantity is the same in a given day. One day you're eating six meals per day to get to that quantity. And another day you're eating two meals to get to that same quantity. Your metabolism, there's no advantage to the meal frequency theory, even though your metabolism is kind of turned on more frequently with the six meals, right? Just through the digestive process and, and everything like that. However, because the size of the two meals is going to be much greater, your metabolism has to work harder to process that amount of food. And it ends up being a net, um, a net kind of equal, like it doesn't make much of a difference. So when it comes to frequency, the thing that I look at is what is the frequency that makes the most sense, number one, for your lifestyle and schedule, and number two, for your personality type. Now, those are two things that we can look at for optimization. Again, if, if you're not being consistent, then this all is irrelevant. So the first thing that you should probably look at is what are the number of meals per day that I can stay the most consistent with? Doesn't matter if that's one meal a day. It doesn't matter if that's six meals a day or anything in between. Consistency is always going to be the most important. But when you look at your, your schedule, that's how we can start to put those pieces in place. Because if your lifestyle and, and your schedule is set up in a way where uh, you like to eat first thing in the morning, that's going to be optimal for you. If your schedule and your lifestyle is set up in a way where you don't eat first thing in the morning and maybe you go train and you're, you're fasted, you know, and um, you want to go in and do a fasted training session and, and just that's how your schedule works. That's totally fine too. Uh, and then the second thing that we want to look at is your neurotype, your personality type for certain individuals who are a little bit higher anxiety. It does help to have a slightly higher meal frequency. And the reason for that is just, it's, it's basically a, a way to help manage cortisol and serotonin. Like if I can give a type three, uh, more frequent meals with like small amounts of carbs with each meal, that's going to help balance cortisol. It's going to help uh, increase serotonin levels. So sure. That's a way to optimize through meal frequency. Now, if you are somebody who like myself is a two a, or maybe even a one B and you like to go a little bit longer in between meals, that can work well because, you know, for 2A, we're more adrenaline sensitive, especially if you're trying to optimize for like, you know, you're trying to optimize for, for focus and mental clarity. Like we might, uh, as a 2A, you might feel a little bit better with more time between meals. So maybe like three or four meals per day um, or just some kind of like intermittent fasting protocol. So that would be the, the two considerations would be your your schedule and your neurotype. And once you understand like the objective with meal frequency, you can start to fine tune that and, and optimize it based off of those variables and then come up with, with a process that is, it's, you know, like I said, it's not going to move the needle all that much, but it can help a little bit. Um, the second thing that when it comes to optimization would be uh, meal timing. So meal timing, the, the way that I look at meal timing is 
to optimize performance, like let's get the most out of training, to optimize recovery, and to optimize sleep. Those are like the three big things that I look at when it comes to meal timing. So the timing in terms of what do I need to do going into my training session to have the most amount of energy and to be in the optimal neurological state to stay focused and to perform well. That's number one. Can I squeeze every ounce out of this training session through meal timing? So for certain individuals, again, this is another area where neurotype plays a big role. Like for type ones, we need to amp them up to get into that optimal zone. So if I'm going to give them like a whole big high carb meal before training, that's going to have the opposite effect. It's going to um, you know, increase serotonin, put them more in that rest and digest mode. Uh, it's going to lower cortisol. And that's not going to be a good thing for somebody who's already um, in that parasympathetic state. So it's just going to drive them further. It's almost going to feel like lethargic and lazy. What I would prefer is maybe we can do a high protein and fat meal to get them the energy that they need to perform, but it's also not going to increase serotonin. It's actually going to increase dopamine, which then is going to put them into that optimal uh, neurological state. So those are some of the considerations. Now, if I have somebody who needs to be a little bit more um, like they are already amped up and they need to be calmed down for training, then protein and carbs as as a pre-workout will be ideal for getting them in in that optimal state. So we want to make sure that there's energy available so that they can make the most out of that session. And then we also want to look at the, um, the neurological state that we're trying to achieve and that's where timing. So then that's the the front end of the workout. Then post-workout, ultimately we want to start that recovery process right away. We want to shut off cortisol. And that's the biggest thing. I know that there's a lot of hype around this like post-workout window of gains. And and that has been uh, mostly disproven by research that uh, even though there is this enhancement in uh, like you're, you're obviously the muscle protein synthesis is happening. You've broken down like the repair process is starting with, with rebuilding muscle tissue. And so there is this like increase, it's called EPOC, um, EPOC. It's uh, excess post-oxygen consumption where your metabolism is kind of firing up. And a lot of people make a big deal about that. It's almost negligible. The reality is what you do overall is what matters the most. However, your body doesn't know after your last rep, after your last set, that the workout's over. It's not like your body is like, oh, okay, there's no more stress here, so I can just stop. You know, I can stop releasing cortisol. I can stop, um, you know, increasing adrenaline. Your body doesn't know that yet. You have to actually send the signal that it's over. And that's what I look at the post-workout timing as a way to shut off cortisol, basically to tell your body, hey, it's time to repair, it's time to recover. So having protein and carbs, protein because we want that muscle protein turnover, carbs because we want that shutoff valve, right? Carbs increase insulin. Insulin is the shutoff valve to cortisol. Um, It's also going to increase the uh, neurotransmitters that calm the brain down. So we're, we're trying to shut off the nervous system. We're trying to start that muscle repair process. And that's why post-workout, I think, um, to optimize, again, if you can't get in protein and carbs immediately after training, you're not missing out on anything. But again, to optimize, if it's something that you can incorporate, absolutely makes a lot of sense. And then meal timing when it comes to sleep, 
I think is another important thing where you want to put your your brain in that in that rest and digest mode right before bed. So um, from a timing standpoint, I think having carbs as your last, you know, as part of your last meal of the day can help because it's going to increase serotonin, increase GABA, put you in that rest and digest mode. It's going to help to shut down, uh, shut off cortisol when we want cortisol to be low, right? We want cortisol to be lowest right before bed. So having carbs again, as that shut off valve to cortisol can help. So those are the things that I like to consider when it comes to meal timing. Uh, there's certain things with like your metabolism when it comes to metabolic flexibility that make a difference. The first thing, and again, I'm going to keep saying this throughout because I really want to hammer home this point. This is such a small difference maker that take it with, with a grain of salt, like understand we're talking about the 1% difference, if that. Okay. But when it comes to metabolic flexibility, which is simply just your body's ability to transition between fuel sources, like you want your body to use the appropriate fuel for the task at hand. So if I'm doing some high intense training, I want my body to properly utilize carbs as fuel. If I'm doing like a, a slow walk or if I'm just hanging out, you know, not really doing much, I want my body to effectively use fat as fuel. And you're always going to be using some ratio of both, but you want to favor the, the preferred fuel source. So the higher intensity, uh, the more intense the activity, the more that you want to favor carbs as fuel, the lower the intensity, the more you want to favor fats as fuel, and you want to have the ability to shift between fuel sources. So one of the things that we can do to optimize that is to take a walk first thing in the morning on a fasted stomach. So you're, you're getting up, and this is actually something I did when I prepped for my photo shoot. I got up every single morning. First thing I did was an hour walk. It was an hour fasted walk in the morning. Now, did that make a huge difference? No, probably not, but it's a small needle mover. And for me, I was able to do it. I just woke up a little bit earlier. Uh, fortunately, it was during a time I was, I was prepping for a photo shoot in the summer. So it was the time where the weather was nice and I could get out and not freeze my ass off and just go for a nice long walk because you're kind of forcing your body to utilize fat as fuel since you're fasted. Um, it's, it's just kind of an easy way to help with metabolic flexibility. And then the other thing that would help with metabolic flexibility would also be the timing that we just talked about. So if you're going to utilize more carbs like post-workout um, and, you know, allowing your body to see like, all right, well, the higher intensity, like if you have some carbs pre-workout, if you have some carbs post-workout, you're kind of timing your carbs around your training or the times that they'll be utilized the most. So either through that recovery process, when you're going to increase insulin sensitivity in the muscles, right? Like you just did an intense training session, you lifted heavy weights, you set a PR, whatever it may be, right? And then you have your, your carbs post-workout, your body is in your muscles in particular are more insulin sensitive at that point. So it makes sense to have some carbs. Um, again, it's like, all right, well, we're utilizing the right fuel for the right job, improving metabolic flexibility. And that's another um, small needle mover um, that can just help a little bit if you've got everything else in place. Um, another thing is, is protein feeding. Like there's, been, there's a lot of research when it comes to optimizing muscle building and 
the amount of protein, number one, and the timing and frequency of that protein. So what research tells us is, first of all, to optimize muscle building, we want to have at least 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. And that's a good starting point. Now, there's also been some like protein overfeeding studies that have been done where if you're eating higher amounts of calories, but it's coming from protein, you're much less likely to gain body fat. So if I'm trying to build muscle, if I'm trying to optimize body composition, then it does make sense that a lot of those extra calories come in the form of protein. Uh, That was one of the things that I also did for my photo shoot. I was eating upwards of 300 grams of protein, 250 to 300, where my normal protein intake is right around 200 grams. So I did a little bit of a protein overfeeding um, to help optimize body composition. Now, the timing of that, you want it to be um, in equal intervals. In other words, I don't want to have like 100 grams of protein and then like 50 grams of protein and that's it. If you spread it out with like four feedings and it's all equal amounts. So let's just say for my sake, it would be four meals of 50 grams of protein per meal, which is pretty much exactly what I did uh, when I was trying to get leaner for my photo shoot. That was kind of the approach. It was four meals, 50 grams that hit 200. And then I'm sorry, it was five meals, uh, 50 grams. And that put me right where I needed to be like around, around 250. And if I increased to hit 300, um, then I would just increase the amount of protein per meal. So like equal feedings across the day can optimize that, that muscle protein synthesis and help you build a little bit more muscle. Now, a lot of people struggle to get in enough protein. So again, this is, this is a minor detail. It's, this is, we're talking about optimal. Um, so that's something to consider that it's, it, it, what matters most is to get in enough protein period. However, you can do that. Um, that's not how I eat just, just for the record. That's not how I eat on a normal basis, like on an everyday basis. That was for a specific goal to achieve a body composition that I was not going to stay. I was not going to stay that lean. So when I'm just in my normal day-to-day routine, um, I do have, you know, typically like two to three higher protein meals. And then I kind of snack in between. So it's not as structured. It's not optimal, but it's, it gets the job done. I still have no issues hitting my protein, but it's a lot lower, typically right around 200 grams a day. And I kind of do it, um, based off of just the way that my schedule works. I don't focus on the exact optimal, but I think it's something that's worth talking about. Um, The other thing when it comes to optimizing, this is the place where supplements should be introduced. So if we're talking about optimizing, right? Like having creatine in your your routine, like five grams of creatine, creatine, not creatine, five grams of creatine every single day, Um, you can throw it in your post-workout shake. It doesn't have to be, but just getting that in, that will help with the muscle building process. It'll help you build strength. It's one of those things that if you're trying to optimize, it makes a lot of sense to do. If you're trying to optimize, it helps to, right? Like, so what, what are we trying to accomplish with the supplementation protocol? Is it stress reduction? Is it helping you sleep? Is it helping you with your workout? Is it helping you with recovery? Is it helping you with your mood? Right? So there's a lot of different things that we can look at from a supplementation standpoint that can move the needle just that 1%. Um, 
Um, some things that I look at personally, number one is, is recovery and sleep. So I use the, the gold juice from Organifi. Uh, for me, as like part of my wind down routine, that's something that's really important. Sleep is really important. So I will absolutely spend the money for that 1% difference because I know how important sleep is and I like to have that wind down routine. Um, so, and with Organifi, of course, we get you hooked up with a 20% off discount. You can go to Organifi.com slash popfam and use code popfam at checkout to get the 20% off. But I use the gold juice for kind of like that stress management, help with, with sleep. Um, they also have some stuff with gut health. That's another thing. If like you're struggling with digestion, they also have their green juice if you're struggling to get veggies in. So that's where like optimizing comes into play. Like where, what's the hole that we're trying to fill? Where's Where's the gap in your game? Um, I always love, uh, I, I was a huge Michael Jordan fan growing up, really just admired his game, even though I was, uh, you know, I am a diehard Sixers fan. And, uh, you know, we certainly had our trouble <laughs> beating him. But um, I always loved the fact that he would assess his game every single offseason and would decide where was the weakness. And then he would work that whole offseason on making that weakness a strike. So like one year he was like, he got criticized for not being a good defender and spent the whole off season just focusing on defense and became uh, one of the best defenders in the league. That's kind of what I look at. Like what's, where's the hole in your game? Where are you struggling? And then can we use, you know, obviously we want to look at lifestyle, nutrition, training first, but can we use supplements to kind of plug that hole to kind of fill that void? That's what I look, if you're struggling with recovery, if you're struggling with stress management, then, you know, maybe some adaptogens are, are the way to go. Or if you're struggling getting your veggies in, maybe green juice is the way to go. Um, if you're struggling to get your protein in, maybe the protein powder is the way to go. So that's kind of the way that I assess supplements for optimization. And again, highly recommend knowing where you're getting your supplements from. So that's why we, we partnered with Organifi. We know that they only use quality ingredients. We know that there's nothing, uh, they're not just like filling it with crap. Like we know what's in there. Um, I use them personally so I can speak to it. I would only speak to anything that I actually personally used. So again, if you want to get your 20% off, go to Organifi.com slash popfam and enter code popfam at checkout. That's P-O-P-F-A-M. And Organifi is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. Uh, so that's kind of the way that I look at supplements. Now, I also look at it from, from the neurotype perspective. And I would really love to have like a specific neurotype bundle when it comes to supplementation. Like I know what works well for each neurotype. So that's something that I've, I've considered doing in the past. I think it would be really helpful. Um, it's something that I might do. Um, it's a pretty big undertaking, but I think that the advantage of just having something like a, like a bundle of you know, whatever it may be like four to five supplements that I know definitively will help based off your, of your neurotype. Um, I think that's something that is, uh, I should just, just do it <laughs> is the bottom line. I should stop talking about it and just do it. Um, anyway, so these are like a lot of the things to consider when it comes to optimizing. Now, when it comes to movement and training, there's another optimization impact that we can make. Number one, movement in general is going to be one of the biggest uh, needle movers when it comes to fat loss. It's, it's probably the best tool that you have at your disposal. So what you can do is have your, you know, 
average around 10,000 steps per day. That's just an easy benchmark. But if you're trying to optimize, you don't want to do too much, but you don't want to do too little. So start at 10,000. And then I would gradually increase until you find that sweet spot. For me personally, it was right around like 15 to 17,000 steps per day to optimize my body composition. You can take things too far. And that depends on the person, right? It depends on the other variables in your life. But if you're struggling because you're getting 30,000 steps per day and it's impacting your ability to do other things and recover, then that's doing more harm than good. So you want to find that sweet spot for you. But that's one way that we can optimize. With training, there's a balance. We need to train hard enough with enough intensity and focus to make a difference. But we also need to be able to recover from that training. So optimal would be the amount of training where you can give 100% effort and intensity with each session and recover from that. I used to be at a place in my life where six days was that that number. Right now, it's more like four. Um, Typically, I can push it to five, which is totally fine for me, uh, but I really have to be dialed in with my recovery and sleep if I'm going to push to five. So find that point for you. Now, the actual training itself, we can optimize by having a program that's built for your neurotype. The reason why that's so effective is because there's going to be less neurological stress, which is actually the hardest stress to recover from. Your muscles recover very quickly from training. I think that's a point that a lot of people miss. Your muscles recover very quickly from training. It's your nervous system that takes a long time to recover. If you're training against your nature, if you're training outside of your nature, you're putting more neurological demand on that workout. Your nervous system has to work harder. It's going to be more difficult to recover from. If you're training with your nature, you're putting less stress on your nervous system. And because your muscles recover very quickly, if you're putting yourself in a position where you don't have to recover your nervous system as much, that's going to be advantageous for optimizing body composition. So that's number one. Number two is you have to be progressing in some way, shape, or form. Now you can look at progressing through volume. You can, you know, it can be heavier weights. It can be more tonnage. So if you like look at the actual amount of weight that you're lifting, um, you know, it can be density, it can be intensity. There's, there's different ways to progress, but there has to be some progression model built in that will be optimal. And you, obviously you have to be able to recover from it. Um, so those are really like the main variables that I look at when it comes to optimizing. I look at um, you know, meal timing, meal frequency. I look at protein. I look at you know, metabolic flexibility. I look at recovery. I look at supplementation. I look at all of the neurotyping advantages. And when you have somebody, or if that's you, where you're already pretty advanced, but you're looking for that next level up, don't start with all of these things at once. Again, this is like the the biggest mistake that most people make. It's like, well, I learned all of these cool things, so now I'm going to try and implement everything. Like, what's the optimal meal timing, frequency, and supplements, all and all the things at once? And that is an easy way to do nothing and become frustrated and overwhelmed, and then set yourself back. Start with one thing, start to integrate that, see how that feels, find that optimal place for you, and then integrate the next thing. This is. I can tell you as somebody who has gotten really lean before many times before, I know what that's like. I always take a layered approach. So like once I'm dialed in on the basics, my nutrition, my training, 
movement, all that stuff is good. Then it's like, all right, what's the frequency? What's the meal timing? I've got that. Okay, cool. What's the supplementation protocol? Got that. Cool. Like, can I throw in the the fasted walk? The, The fasted hour walk, I think was only the last two weeks of my prep, if I remember correctly. So I'm talking from experience, layering these things in is so much more effective than trying to do everything all at once. But hopefully this was helpful. I know sometimes you probably get sick of me talking about the same boring shit, like doing the boring work and the anchors and the habits. I'm going to be talking a lot about that throughout the challenge. So I thought it would be fun to do an episode on optimizing. And hopefully this was helpful. Um, Let me know. I always love to hear some feedback. So if this was helpful, please hit me up. Just shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will talk to you guys very soon.